It's at six minutes past twelve. This is Midday Live, SAFM 104 to 107. Thank you very much for joining us. Some of the stories coming through today. A 24-year-old man will appear in the Kimberley Magistrates Court after allegedly raping his sister's six-week-old baby. That's a sad, sad story, this one. And uh, I know uh, the National Police Commissioner, Ria Pieja, is expected in Kimberley shortly to visit the family of uh, uh, this uh, little child who was, uh, who was raped. Six weeks old is the child. And uh, the case uh, by uh, economic freedom fighter leader Julius Malema to have fraud and corruption charges against him dropped has been postponed to April next year. So we'll be talking to our reporter, uh, Chabulani Baloy, about that particular story. But we get to talk to uh, one Vusi Mona, who is uh, the spokesperson for Sunwell. I'm, I'm just going to ask you to, to, to really listen to this and, and make up your mind. It's uh, seven minutes past twelve. Humex K is the latest clinically proven supplement for osteoarthritis and joint pain in accordance with new international standards. This remarkable product has been developed in South Africa by leading immunologist Professor Connie Medlin. What makes Humex K unique is that it's the only supplement that addresses the cause rather than the symptoms of osteoarthritis. Humex K is available at Clicks, Discam, and all leading pharmacies. The case by economic freedom fighter leader Julius Malema to have fraud and corruption charges against him dropped has been postponed to April next year. The state argued that uh, the representations made by Malema's lawyers are uh, complacent and need time to be perused. Malema faces charges of uh, fraud, racketeering and money laundering in relation to a 50 million rand, uh, make it 52 million rand tender awarded to a company of his uh, associate in uh, which he has allegedly unduly benefited. Let's talk now to uh, our reporter, that is uh, Jablani Baloy. Good afternoon to you, um, Jablani. Afternoon, and afternoon, and listen as well. All right, let, let's uh, talk now about uh, the postponement of uh, the, the, this uh, matter. Uh, now, Julius Mal- Mal- Malema will only know in April next year whether the, the corruption and fraud charges against him will be dropped. Just talk us through the entire court proceeding. Yes, uh, what happened today is what it was a, a brief appearance by Malema, where the prosecution uh, indicated that uh, it is making an application for the matter to be postponed to April next year, so that in order to allow the National Bureau of Public Prosecutions to study the representations which were submitted by Malema's legal team, because they think that it's quite a volume and they don't be able to arrive at the decisions. So they have to be given ample time to study those documents in order to arrive at a decision. However, Judge Peter Mahoma also ruled that uh, though the state is applying for the matter to be postponed to April next year, he would also like to see Malima appear in the same trial with his court in September next year. You remember that the trial has been set for from 30th September to the 31st of October next year. So you think that uh, pending a decision uh, by the state prosecution, he would like the, my, Mr. Malima to stand trial with, with his court But in case the decision has been made and the changes have been withdrawn, it means Malima will not be able to stand trial with the court all right, I don't know what I said there, that uh, the, the lawyers uh, are presented complacent uh, arguments. In fact, it should be complicated, uh, is what I, I meant to say. Right, so now, how did Malema re- react to this? For uh, so now, Malema is still addressing you about, about uh, the decision that is in your, the postponement of the matter. However, uh, his legal team has indicated that it does not uh, want further postponement in the matter. It wants Malema to displace or preservation. A decision to be made as soon as possible in order to clear his name and to so that Malema can uh, know what to do next because you remember that uh, by April next year, at the time that the city is proposing, uh, there will be general elections that are going to be held in the country and mostly the, the political parties and the party will be getting themselves up for the initial elections at that time. So as a result, there is legal team think that uh, they want the state to arrive at a decision as soon as possible. They have given them that uh, I think that uh, the woman should see the time that has been asked by the state, that is April next year, being postponed further. And uh, did they point to some elements or areas that, uh, that are complicated? Did the state manage to, to point to those areas that they feel they, they need time to, to peruse? Uh, in court, uh, the state uh, indicated that uh, 
The representation that has been submitted by my commanders are quite voluminous. I think that are big documents, they would like to be given enough time to study them. It may indicate the specific areas or the issues that they would like to study them better, except to say that uh, the matter, the decision won't be arrived at quickly. They would want time to be given, uh, enough time to be given to study the document, and that uh, a decision can only be taken by the national director of public transportation only. Is the one who's going to indicate to whether uh, Mr. Manima's charges should be withdrawn or not. And uh, uh, Jabu, you are drowning in the in the in the noise. They're coming in the background, and uh, we understand there is uh, Mr. Malema addressing uh, a number of people. Just talk us through the uh, the amount of people that are there, but also what has happened so far. What is he saying? Uh, the first note is uh, we entered an enclosure or in a square in a square police station where Mr. Malema is busy addressing his supporters. He is saying that uh, like, uh, like he's in the past, he's maintaining his process in all the churches that he's, in, he's, he's facing. And the process that he's also using the, the gathering here as a rally to address the party members on various issues concerning his party. Thank you very much. Our reporter Jabu Baloy in Limpopo. It's 12 minutes past 12. This is Midday Live on SAFM. The city of Cape Town and Sanral will be meeting with the Western Cape High Court Deputy Judge President this afternoon for a procedural directive to resolve an ongoing dispute between the two parties. Earlier this year, the city of Cape Town was granted an interdict against Sanral uh, against proceeding with implementing or advancing the N1 and 2 Winelands tall highway project, including the conclusion of any contract and uh, the commencement or undertaking of construction activity and for an order compelling Sanral to provide a complete record of documents. Earlier I spoke to the spokesperson of Sanral Vusimona to find out why they haven't complied with the court order but where exactly is the project right now? We were asked by the courts to hand over certain documents to uh, the DA uh, not the DA, the city of Cape Town, which is controlled by the DA. Um, we were at a stage when we wanted to uh, issue out the, uh, an invitation uh, for, 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 for bids, uh, because remember, we got uh, unsolicited bids, mm. so we're still required by law to go out and, and, and advertise. And that process was stopped dead in its tracks. Uh, we've done a, a financial viability of the project. As soon as the legal issues are out of the way, we will be able to proceed. Okay, so nothing is moving right now uh, because of the court order? Well, yes, because of legal issues, uh, nothing is, uh, is proceeding at the moment. Why go the route of uh, unsolicited bids? Because uh, I would want to assume this is a big project and uh, it needs to be transparent. And uh, soliciting bids then would be one of the many ways of making it transparent. Why just not call for open tenders and bids? Well, it is policy uh, of someone to accept unsolicited bids. Uh, it is a practice that's not unique to someone or to the South African situation. Uh, as long as uh, there's no irregularities that are committed in the process. Sure. Uh, you, you should understand that not all the intelligent people sit in the public sector. There may be a bright spark who is outside uh, the public sector. And, and if we don't have the presence of mind uh, to do what that bright spark uh, could be conceptualizing society at the end of the day is going to lose. So, you know, do you say as government in the public sector we will never accept anything unsolicited because all the clever people are within the public sector? Precisely that point that you might even get uh, more clever people outside of uh, the, the, the few that, that you invite. But uh, the question is, uh, uh, Mr. Mono, right now, are you prepared, as Sanral, to hand over those documents to the city of, of Cape Town? It's very unfortunate that uh, the city went to the media and alleged that uh, they've not received documents from us. We think it is very opportunistic. In fact, the scraping the bottom of the bottle from where we sit. We have handed over documents to the city, and we've indicated there are some documents that uh, we'll give them access to next week because of the uh, confidential nature of those documents. You must understand that when leaders uh, give us uh, whatever documents, there are issues of commercial confidentiality, there. there are issues of intellectual property involved there. 
So you don't behave like an irresponsible uh, organization that takes people's intellectual uh, property and just broadcasts it to anybody and everybody. I, I guess also it's the issue of time that has lapsed since uh, th- these orders were made, that these documents must be made available to the city of Cape Town, and the agitation, I would want to assume, comes from there. Sandra, we've always respected the rule of law. Uh, there is no time that has lapsed. We've complied with what the, uh, the court ordered us to do. Because they are going back now to talk to the uh, Deputy Judge President, uh, Janet uh, Traveso, uh, for a procedural directive. And uh, I guess, uh, Sandra, this would be something that you wouldn't want. You would try to avoid by all means. Unless you, know what, unless you know what the judge is going to say. We would, want to, we would want to avoid a finding against us, but you seem to know what the finding is going to be. It is something we would want to avoid. No, I, I don't know what the judge is going to say, and exactly. I don't think you also know what the judge is going to exactly. say, but what I'm trying to I'm say... I'm correcting you then. I'm correcting you to then say, you cannot say it is something that somebody would want to avoid. So you, you, you would want know. to go to court to hand over the, the documents that already no. have been asked to hand over, is what no. I'm asking. Therefore, if you can just me. give me a it's chance, Mr. Mona, so that you hear what I'm asking, just give me a chance. I'm therefore saying, it's taxpayers' money that is going to be used by Sandra going to court for... A a, a, a judgment that has been made already that hand those documents over is but, the question that I'm but asking. But I've just said to you a few minutes ago, please open your ears. The documents have been handed over. So we are not going to go to court for a judge to force us to hand over documents which have already been handed over. But what about the documents that have not been handed over? You just said yourself that you, you need to uh, protect those, the intellectual those, property and so on. Documents, those documents, we were not those documents, right, we were not ordered to hand over. There is no court in this country, right? They're cleverer than journalists and ordinary communicators like me. There is no court in this country that will say hand over confidential documents. There you go. Vusimona is the spokesperson for Sunwell. What do you make of that? 34709 is the SMS line. Let's uh, connect now with the Western Cape MEC for Transport and Public Works, Robin Carlyle. Mr. Carlyle, good afternoon to you. Hi, Mr. Carlyle. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Um, thank, uh, thank you thank for you. having me on your show. Thank you very much for joining us. You heard, Mr. Mona, they've uh, div- given you all the documents, well, except for those that they still need to blacken out. But uh, really, what, what what is it that you want now that you haven't received from them? Yeah, I must say I found some strange things in what he said. No court will uh, require anybody to hand over confidential documents. Well, that's not how South Africa. That's maybe how South Africa worked before 1994, but it's not how it works now, and he should know that. And in any event, the, 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 the city which is bringing this action has signed a confidential agreement with Sunron about information they don't want to hand over. I'll tell you what we want. It's what anybody would expect what we want. We want to know how much is the, the whole development going to cost. I mean, at this stage, so far into the place, we don't know what it will cost. That's number one. Number two, Will it be viable? Where are the business plans that show it will be viable? And number three, what will motorists pay in tariffs? That's the most important question of all. Now, I mean, it's a ridiculous situation that sometimes, I mean, like eight years into this process, Sunroll has not made available to us what it's going to cost the motorists, which is the most important single thing of all. So that's the information we want um, I think Sunral is actually behaving badly in this whole issue mm. because, in fact, in May they were told to give us that information. A few days ago, 48 files suddenly roll up because of the, as indeed you said earlier, now that uh, the, the, the council is going back to Judge Traverso, all of a sudden 48 files roll up. But, in fact, they contain very little of the information that we're actually looking for. All right. So we still don't know at this stage what it's going to cost, is it viable, what will the toll fees be to the people who use it? Exactly. Uh, uh, Mr. Carlyle, for those who do not understand what we're talking about, we're talking about N1, N2, Wildlands Toll Highway Project. How far is the project itself? Has the construction started? No. It hasn't started. But the uh, construction has not started. Um, some of the land has been purchased, mm. uh, particularly... Uh, there are three major cost drivers 
in in this 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 particular project. One is to commission the second tunnel at Huguenot. That's one. The second is to take a bypass around Somerset West, and the land for that has been purchased long, long ago. So that's nothing recent. Purchased by who? By Sunwell or by... By Sunwell, yeah. Okay. The third is um, the opening of a tunnel at uh, Solari's Pass. Now, you know, the point we want to make is this, that those are all lovely things to have, but they come at a terrible price, as we all know from the Gauteng freeways. And the view of the province, and I'm talking now not of the province's administration, but the people of the province, is that they say, we will manage with what we've got. We do not want toll fees. We do not want those extras. So, you know, Sunrock gets budget from, from the national fiscus to look after the N1 and the N2 as they are. They get money for that. And that's what we want them to do. Just look after the roads as they are. We will manage with the roads as they are. We have got far more pressing priorities as a province and as a country than putting in extra tunnels here, but, there, But Sunwell might look at it and say, these are not extras. These are real necessities so that we are able, as Sunwell, to collect revenue to be able then to maintain the highways, the beautiful highways of Cape Town, I might add. Well, the ones they've got down here, they do already get money directly from the Fiscus um, through the Department of Transport to maintain those roads. Now they propose to spend, I don't know, you know, we all don't know, and we've been trying to find out for a long time, but we expect something like six to eight billion rand um, to put in three extras that we can live without. And that money is taxpayers' money, um, and it is then recouped to the benefit of the concessionaire um, from the drivers, so the drivers pay twice. Mm. But the thing that really concerns me is that terribly urgent things like our broken-down train service down here, which desperately needs money to refurbish its trains, and which carries 600,000 people a day, most of them the poorest of the poor, that doesn't get money but there's money for this road. Okay, now you're going to the Deputy uh, Judge President, and, and you, you, the, the city is hoping uh, the, 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 the Deputy Judge President to do what? We're going to be asking Judge Traverso um, for a procedural directive. We're saying we can't go on like this. We come to court, we ask for documents, we don't get the documents, so we're asking her for a procedural directive. Now, that's a very nice way of saying, please really put the squeeze on Sunroll to provide that information. When we've got that information, if we get that information, we will study this very carefully because ultimately we are seeking a judicial review of the decision to declare the highway, those particular toll roads. In other words, Our long-term objective is to get these roads cancelled. And I just want to share with you, if I may, very quickly. Please, briefly. um, The the statement issued by the Minister of Transport, Mr. Zbu Indabeli, on the 23rd of October 2011. And it's headed up, Transport Manager orders a halt to all toll road projects. The Minister of Transport, Mr. Indebele, has instructed the South African National Roads Agency Limited, Sunroll, to halt all road project processes related to the tolling of okay. national roads. We've got that point. Mr. Carlyle, thank you very much. We've run out of time. But uh, thank you very much uh, for enlightening us about uh, that particular statement. He is uh, the MEC for Transport and Public Works in uh, the Western Cape, Robin Carlyle. It's 25 past 12. <laughs> Stories this hour, the decision on whether charges against the Economic Freedom Fighters leader Julius Malema will be dismissed will be known on the 30th of April next year. Looking at the markets this hour, gold is trading at $1,242.48 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,362.10 an ounce. The rand is at 10 rand 23 cents against the US dollar, losing ground there. The rand is at 16 rand 68 cents to the pound. 
I am present to myself and the world. Connected, I embrace change. I harness disruption and take advantage of chaos. I shun complacency and mediocrity. I stand for community, equality, and integrity. I am Tebe Investment Corporation. Tebe Investment Corporation. Building communities. Our bottom line. To celebrate Catherine Jenkins' tour to South Africa, the September issue of Classic Feel presents an exclusive interview with the star. Packed with all your arts, culture, and lifestyle requirements, this month Classic Feel features articles on the Tatuka Jewelry Awards and the newest public sculpture by celebrated artist Marco Chanfanelli. Get your copy of Classic Feel now at selected newsagents and bookstores. For more, visit www.classicfeel.coza. Twenty-seven past twelve, midday live, SFM one hundred four to one hundred seven. The South Houghton High Court has dismissed the bail application by hip-hop musician Molemo Chubju Maruhanye. The judge says there are no exceptional circumstances to allow him to be on bail. Judgment in the urgent bail application he filed on Tuesday was reserved for this morning in the South Houghton High Court. Pearl Makuban is with me here in studio. Uh, Pearl, you attended to this particular matter. Just uh, talk us through really. Uh, the, the, the bail application first What is it all about And uh, the, the, the judge's uh, stance on this one Well basically the bail application is Well he's pending uh, He's waiting for the appeal of his sentence And the 25 year uh, murder conviction That um, That's what he is appealing later next year mm. So he was hoping to get bail uh, in the meantime, you know, which is something that pe- some people are granted, you know, if there are exceptional circumstances, as the judge would put it. But the only thing that the defense presented was that, you know, uh, that uh, everyone has the right to, you know, to have bail while they're waiting for the appeal because it could be converted to culpable homicide mm. and he could get a lesser sentence. And if he stays in jail, therefore he could be serving a longer sentence as to what could be granted during and, that appeal. And, and that would, would have been his main argument. That was his main argument, the only argument which was different from the argument he presented to the Protea Magistrates Court la- um, earlier this year, no, actually in October, mm. to be correct, where he said that he's got TB and he wasn't getting the proper medical treatment that he deserved. And but then, you know, the magistrate there said no. State hospitals do have proper doctors. There is proper treatment, and therefore, those are not uh, exceptional circumstances as well. Mm. So this is the third time, and we would think the times a charm, but not with Jupe Jupe. <laughs> so right now, so what happens? So he he remains in custody. He remains in custody uh, till uh, the appeal, but he does have an option to go to the Supreme Court to you know appeal this uh, decision by the High Court. But you know the judge did say that the only available dates are from April next year, and he could get a date in June, and that's supposed to be the time where his appeal at the High South Houghton High Court is supposed to be underway. Mm. So, so for now, it would appear that he he he's the only one so far who feels that uh, really he needs he needs bail because the, his uh, co-accused uh, Mr. Shabalala has not been saying anything. No, uh, Temba Shabalala, you know, only uh, showed up to court uh, in October, you know, but this with this application, which was very urgent, you know, uh, Temba had nothing to do with it. I don't know if he's going to have any attempts to try, uh, you know, because he's been. Should I say piggybacking, if it's for lack of a better word, on Duke Duke's, uh you know, uh, lawyers and mm. everything, outcomes. So just Temba has been going with the flow. I, I don't think he will also approach the High Court to uh, looking for bail. All right. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Pearl Makubane, our reporter who is uh, on the Jube Jube story. It's half past 12 right now. It's time for the news headlines. Sir Utsile Saku, good afternoon. Thanks, Pongi. Good afternoon. EFF leader Julius Malema's lawyer, Dumi Mukwena, has called on the state not to postpone the case against his client any longer. The Polokwane High Court decided this morning to postpone Malema's application to have charges against him dropped. National Council of Provinces chairperson Nino Mashangu has described as barbaric the rape of a six-weeks-old baby. 
allegedly by her uncle at Khalishiwi in Kimberley. The baby had to undergo emergency surgery at the Kimberley Hospital. And South Africa's headline producer inflation has slowed to 6.3% year-on-year in October, down from 6.7% in September. The figures were released by Statistics South Africa. Details at 1 o'clock. Twenty-nine minutes to one. Let's say hello to Shadow Twala in Cape Town. What's up uh, between one and two this afternoon, uh, Shadow? Bongi, what colour shirt are you wearing? Huh? Shirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, okay. <laughs> All right. You gave me a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me tell you why I asked. Yeah, Today I'm still stunned. Hey. I'm still trying to get my thoughts together. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. you, you'll discover when you listen to the show how the color of your clothes and, and your surroundings and your workspace uh, has a, a meaning Come and what it, what it means and how it affects your mood. And we also speak about discovering your own love language that will enable success in both your personal and professional relationships. And lastly, we look at the healing benefits of Tai Chi. <laughs> Okay, I'll tell you what. We the, the colors here are not too bright here where I work here at the SABC. Well, at least this section. But people here are always, always excited and looking forward to coming to work. I can tell you that much. Well, we'll find out why it is. Then, okay. huh? Maybe it's the color blue that does it. The okay. color of our logo that does it for us. Right. <laughs> okay, Shadow. We'll see you between one and two this afternoon. Uh, that will be otherwise on SFM 104 to 107. Just a couple of SMSs coming through 34701 tweets uh, as well at uh, Kuala News uh, this one uh, says uh, let me go let me go with the SMSs midday live what kind of an animal rapes a six week old child it's the same question we're asking this is an insult to our nation use the death penalty on this animal alright and another one it's unsigned that one from Spiro in Natal saying as much as we don't know him but I'm not too confident that uh, the new NDPP is independent enough to take a decision uh, that uh, that won't sit well with the regime. And Noha uh, Kobe in Hamatlakala saying that uh, the myth that raping babies will cure AIDS is still strong in many of our minds, hence uh, the increase of such evil cases. Just some of the SMSs coming through. And this one, how is it possible for Sunral to purchase and build roads on stolen land which belong to us, the Koi? That's Jim Plakis uh, in uh, Cape Town. And this one says the uh, e-tolls are an irritating subject and everybody from government who is being asked about e-tolls is now uh, becoming very arrogant. That's uh, that in East London. Well said, Robin Carlyle, NC, fix our trains first, no toll roads. That's it, Ndumi. SMS is coming through, 34701. And uh, the 16 days of activism underway, uh, but we hear of a 24-year-old man appearing in uh, the Kimberley Magistrates Court after allegedly raping his sister's six-week-old baby. The incident happened in Khalishiwe outside Kimberley in the Northern Cape. The baby was admitted to the Kimberley Hospital early yesterday morning and had to undergo emergency surgery. Meanwhile, the National Police Commissioner Ria Piecha is expected in Kimberley shortly to visit the family of a six-weeks-old baby and the family of an 87-year-old woman who was raped and murdered in a house exactly in Khalishiwe on Sunday. And... Uh, we're hoping to talk to our reporter Ishmael Madiba, but not, we are not. Uh, we instead talking to Jacques Sibomama, who is uh, the communication and marketing manager at the National Institute for Crime Prevention and Reintegration of Offenders, that's uh, NICRO. And uh, we're really looking at uh, the issue over the weekend. You may have seen a Sunday newspaper headline uh, running an article of a man who was arrested for shooting and killing his wife, and he did nine years of his 35. Uh, on his release, uh, the man joined the NGO in an effort to show that uh, he was reformed and took part in campaigns to raise awareness around the crimes against women. However, uh, the family of the victim are not convinced of his uh, rehabilitation. In fact, they insist that uh, he has uh, not shown any remorse. We caught up with uh, Mr. Sibomama, and this is how our interview went. Nico runs uh, various programs, uh, and uh, on the topic you're talking about, we've got a program called the Intimate Partner Violence Program, which focuses on the the people in your relationship, what uh, husbands and wife or boyfriends and girlfriends, where we look at uh, the individuals or the perpetrators and the victims, 
and offer an assessment and as well as an intervention program that looks at how can we assist this person to move beyond that uh, state of way or the state of thinking where they become either the perpetrators of violence and also how do we help the victim to be able to grow from it and be able to speak out and actually seek the assistant help he or she may may need. And going back to, to prison, we run a program in prison called the Tough Enough Program. And this program basically also everyone who goes to our program first they get assessed to see what sort of programs will be basically suit for them and what sort of intervention that NICRO can provide or where can we bring our partners in to get involved to make sure that that individual receives the most adequate or relevant assistance that they do need. And you do find this, uh, some of our clients might have committed a relationship violences, might have committed crimes towards their spouse or towards the people in the community, which related to the campaign of 16, 16 days of activism against violence against children and women. And with that, we also look at uh, at extensive issue on how can what led this person to commit this issue. And most of the time, you find Elliot could have been this person is a, a alcohol has got an alcohol problem or or drug problem. And then we also bring in organization to help them cope with their core problem that leads them to to do or behave the way they behave. And also we with other intervention from social workers and colleges to help this individual to be able, next time he's in the same situation, he doesn't result into violence, but rather chooses an alternative approach rather than being a violence to the partner they with. Are you winning the battle? I will say that we are winning the battle, but also one needs to understand that it's up to that particular individual, the, the perpetrator or the offender, as well as the, as the victim as well. It's up to them to make sure that they want to change, they want to see the difference in their lives, and with that, NICRO can only offer them the intervention program. We can offer only give the, put the programs in place for them. But it's up to them to actually decide that, yes, this is what I want to do, and this is how I want to turn my life around. Until they make that, that decision, we can only give them the programs, but it won't have a, a much-needed impact than it will have if this person wants to change their life around. How do you deal with the issue of uh, social reintegration for those who have been released from prison, whether they released on parole or whether they released because they have served their sentences? Now they are back into the society that they have wronged. Do you find that they are accepted back into the community? And what kind of programs as NICRO uh, do you engage them in so that uh, they are able then to be accepted? It is a quite a challenging matter because we need to still educate the community and the public about the, this program that NICO offers or the intervention this person might have received in prison. And also we, we do we, we do conduct the offender victim mediation program, which basically we try to find somebody in that particular community the way this person has offended to, to actually bring them on board, those who are willing, to be able to interact with this individual, making sure that this person coming out of the community is not going to to be in danger for them, but also this person needs their help so that they can be properly reintegrated. As a community, we need to understand that somebody that is coming out of prison, they are a whole of stigma that is attached with them, and they do need our assistance. They do need our assistance as a community members, because if we continue to shun them, if we continue to stigmatize them, then it it becomes easier for for them to relapse or to go back into their life of crime because hey, they either couldn't find employment or the only person who's willing to give them assistance is either their old friends or their old gang members who only want them to, to use them for the criminal activities. So it's, it's crucially important that the community plays a key role in making sure that those who are coming off prison, they get welcomed, but also the community needs to work with organizations such as NICRO to make sure that this person is receiving the necessary aftercare programs or the necessary intervention so that this person can lead a crime-free lifestyle. And uh, that's uh, Jacques Sibomama, who is uh, the Communication and Marketing Manager at the National Institute for Crime Prevention and Reintegration of Offenders. Necro. It's at 22.01 on Midday Live. The inaugural conference for Cuban-trained doctors from the Eastern Cape province is currently underway in East London. This follows the return of 16 doctors in July this year who have been trained in Cuba. The delegates at the conference include over 90 doctors who have uh, since returned and are practicing in uh, South Africa. Joining us on the line right now is the chairperson of uh, the Eastern Cape Cuban Trained Doctors Forum. That's uh, Dr. Mzulungile Notigita. Uh, Dr. Notigita, good afternoon to you. 
I'm doing well and I'm excited to be talking to you first because I understand you also trained in Cuba so you understand yes. the, the, the situation there but on Monday or Tuesday we spoke to the MEC for Health in Natal and one of the uh, Cuba uh, bound uh, student doctor about really what to expect there and, 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 and this program. This program is exciting. Just talk us through it, this exchange South African doctors studying in Cuba. Yeah, yeah. Basically, this program started way back in 1995 under the leadership of uh, the then Minister for Health, Ngozi Um and they, Initially, they were looking at uh, having uh, the, doc- the Cuban doctors to come and serve in the rural areas of South Africa, because you know that uh, the, the, those areas were not very attractive for the South African trained doctors. And then the, then the president of Cuba, Fidel Castro, offered that, okay, we can actually train your, your young people. And uh, given the fact that South Africa has got a population of about 52 million now and only eight medical schools, so that is not enough for the country. Mm. And the, the, the number of doctors that we produce each and every year is also not enough for the, for the whole the population of 52 million. Mm. It probably is enough for... 4.4 or 5 million people that were previously advantaged. So we needed to train doctors who would come back and reinforce the system and actually help to reach out to the people in the in the, the marginalized from from our. And, and and you back and there are over 90 other doctors who who have since returned from from uh, from studying in Cuba. So where are you practicing all of you? Uh, the majority of us are practicing in the in the areas where we come from. I'll make an example with myself. I'm currently working in a hospital called Nambumelel Hospital, which is in Pedi, uh, my hometown. Mm. Uh, and a lot of us, the ones who are gathered here, a lot of them are working in their own areas. Some of them are busy with the with the program or specialization. We've got about a number of about five who are with us here. Some of them couldn't join us because their registrar program is very busy. But the, the majority, when they do community service, they have to do it where they come from. Mm. It, it, it's a bit, it's compulsory that they need to go back where they come from for community service. And then one year post-concept, they still have to be in the area. And then a doctor who's got a the potential then is allowed to go and specialize. Mm. And, and one of the reasons why we, we, we have this conference is to engage the government and say, look, we do have a certain skill especially when it comes to primary health care. We have a better understanding of what primary health care is. Well, the Cuban system is actually the core of the Cuban system is, is, is the, the, the primary health care. Sure. Much as they are specialized in terms of, of charity care because they're specialists. Cubans, Cubans are lucky that they, they are operated by specialists. In South Africa, you're very lucky if you are in a district hospital and you'll be operated by specialists. You will get an MO if you like a sister will assist if that doctor is lucky and in most cases the doctor does an operation alone but uh, so, uh, Dr. Nautigate some are putting for I've never been to Cuba I don't know the conditions there but uh, the, okay. the, 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 the ratio the doctor to, to, to patient ratio really is not what we're seeing here in South Africa it's, it's pretty much the opposite yeah very little one to three one is to three or four something like that yeah. and, you, and you don't get them to practice to be challenged as you are he, as you would be at least here in South Africa this is, this is the, 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 the Cuban system's success and you cannot blame them of their, of their success. Sure. That is because they have championed, after their revolution, this is what they've done. They decided to make education and healthcare free of charge. So this is what they've championed. They have a lot of doctors. They have enough to export to other countries. So for South Africa, you need doctors and you don't have centers that, are, that can produce for your population. So this was an argument to say, okay, if, if we can give, we can get Cuban doctors to come and work in the country. And Cuba offers an opportunity to train young South Africans who can then come back and work. Because what happens is we go to Cuba, we do five years of medical training. Uh, and when we, the last year of our medical training is in South Africa. Okay. I went, I went to the University of Pretoria. And the, by the time I, 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 I was, I finished there, 
I was ready to work in any hospital in South Africa. All right. Like any other doctor. We can talk all day long about this, but briefly, uh, Dr. Notigita, uh, this conference now is the first one. Uh, what are you hoping yes. to achieve with it? What we're hoping to achieve, Bongi, is to, we, to have an agreement with our Department of Health in the Eastern Cape that uh, a lot of uh, uh, negatives have been pointed out in our department, as you might know in the media. And we're saying to them, look, we, we want to be part of the solution. We have something that we know. We're proposing to them a primary health care model. This primary health care model is, is a model in which us as a doctors, we've organized ourselves, will identify in the Eastern Cape one of the worst hit rural areas in the Eastern Cape. And we will go out of our own spare time, pro bono, and go and, and sit there and, and render the much needed services. Okay. If there is a clinic, we will enhance the one that are existing. In the case where there is no clinic at all, we will create what we call health points. And in those health points, we will then train young people from that community on basic information, on, on issues that have to do with diabetes, your hypertension, things that people just need to do to avoid, in, in the case of diabetes, to avoid amputation. Okay. They probably need to avoid to scratch themselves or injure themselves on the foot. Basic, basic information. Dr. Mzulungile Notigida, thank you very much. You've run out of time. Very, very exciting uh, story, I might, I might add. Uh, and uh, we hope the, 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 the student doctors who left South Africa on Monday will come back and make us proud as well. He is uh, the chairperson of the Eastern Cape Cuban Trained Doctors Forum. There's a, an inaugural conference that is underway there in East London. It's a uh, 13 to 1. Let's go to the markets right now. Clinton Smith, we have to keep you waiting for a little bit, just ex- getting that exciting story there of the Cuban uh, doctors, South African Cuban doctors, if I can call them. You are with uh, Sasfin Securities. Let's look at the markets right now. How are they, how are they looking? Well, uh, generally quite good uh, today, actually, Bongi. Uh, markets worldwide have moved higher after the positive economic data out of the U.S. Uh, yesterday. It's been a, a strong session of buying. Uh, at the moment, we've got the gold board up 0.4%, so resources up 1.5%, industrials up 0.6%, and financials up 1.2%. Uh, overall, the market's up 366 points, or 0.8% higher, at uh, 44,930. And uh, MMI came out with uh, an announcement today. Uh, yes, so MMI came out with a, with a trading update this morning um, saying that uh, total new business recurring premiums uh, increased by 26% uh, compared to the same quarter last year with uh, with single premium inflows coming in 12% higher. Uh, MMI saying that they've uh, experienced good client retention over the period and, and the market seems to like the update. They're currently 4.2% higher at the moment at 25.62%. And uh, any big movers on the market today? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, trading high, we've got uh, Impala Platinum up 4.3% at the moment, 119.40. Uh, Amplats up 4.1% at 393.74. Uh, Old Mutuals up 2.6% at 33.11. And Anglo Americans up 2.5% at uh, 228.15. Uh, trading lower today, Bolo World's down 1.9% at 93.87. Uh, Nepi's down 1.5% at 78.80. Uh, we've got British American Tobacco down about 1% at uh, 541.73. And lastly, Suntum is down uh, 0.8%, uh, trading 188.50. And uh, your latest market indicators, Clinton? Uh, the gold price is currently $1,242. So we've got platinum at $1,359. Uh, Brent crude is currently $110.27 a barrel. Uh, the yield on R157 is at uh, 6.19%. And then finally, we've got the RAND uh, trading 10.21 to the dollar, uh, 13.88 to the uh, euro. And to the pound, we're trading 16.68. And that's it from me. Thank you very much, Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Sasfin Securities. The South African Trade, Investment and Tourism Promotion Guide in partnership with SAFM will be hosting monthly radio broadcasts to promote trade and investment opportunities to local business and foreign investors. We invite business from all sectors to join us at the Devon ICC to the launch of the KZN Province Symposium on the 2nd of December 2013. To participate for free, contact Boyce Shatanin at 082-923-4402 or email at 
at rsvp at bbmmedia.co.za. Also visit southafricanguide.co.za. Some of uh, the tweets and SMSs coming through 34701. Let's go to tweet, uh, tweets here at Kuala B News. I don't think uh, the NPA have case against the EFF leader Malema. They just want to frustrate him and it's unfair because he has a party to run. Spiwan Gwazunatal saying at Kuala B News, Cho, the arrogance of Vusimona gets me hot under the collar. Why these arrogant people make a government communicators? Just some of the SMSs and tweets coming through. Let me read this one from Jablani Zulu saying that this man who raped six weeks child, uh, he is evil. Such people, they don't deserve life. He is not a man. He has the animal blood death sentence, uh, says Jablani Zulu there at Jablani Zulu. Let's talk now to our reporter Pumzile Mlangeni uh, about uh, the Marikana Commission of Inquiry, Brigadier Adrian. And Khalid says the police's plan to disperse thousands of Lonmin mine workers at the Gopi last year was flawed. Khalid says they've been criticized for being in the dark for almost an hour on what was happening at the Gopi and that police had already shot and killed 16 miners. He's been testifying at the Marikana Commission of Inquiry for a week right now. Uh, let's say good afternoon, Pumzile Mlangeni. What can you tell us about this? Uh, Brigadier Khalid saying that uh, their plan was flawed. Afternoon, Bongi. Well, uh, that was uh, put to him by uh, the evidence leader, uh, Advocate Geoff Batlender, indicating that the plan uh, was flawed because they failed to execute it properly as the way they planned. But then again, he came back, uh, Khaled's denying that, saying that everything went according to plan. So that's when uh, Batlender asked him if they had... Uh, planned to kill those people if he says that the plan went according to plan. Uh, that's when again he changed his statement saying that not everything went accordingly. Uh, but regardless, he addressed the police officers after the shooting, commending them on the job well done and also again saying that uh, they are happy with what they did. And But that was again criticized. He was highly criticized for also not keeping in contact with the police officers who were on the ground on that day uh, because it emerged that for 45 minutes, close to 50 minutes, uh, no one could get hold of him. And as the um, commander-in-chief for the plane, he was supposed to be in the know of what was going on. And uh, in a way, the evidence-leading team was actually uh, criticizing him and basically saying that he should have known that... Uh, uh, 16 people had already died uh, in the in the Gobi on the other side, and that it was his job to have uh, come out there and uh, be in the know of everything that was happening. There's uh, evidence also that is coming out now that suggests that uh, at least six of uh, uh, the, the the mine workers who were killed there were were not killed by the police, but uh, it, it would appear they were killed by their colleagues. Yes, uh, that has been. Uh, that has imagined uh, at the commission, but for a very long time, uh, there were videos that were shown, uh, but with the videos, nothing is clear. You, can, you, you can't see everything that was happening. There have been allegations. Police have been pointing fingers at the miners and the other way around, uh, but there is actually no proof or the videos don't actually show uh, that uh, the, the other miners were killing there is a, a, a stage where you see one of the miners who's got a gun shooting, but there's no proof that six of the people were actually uh, shot by their uh, colleagues. Uh, there was a debate around that as to whether is it the police who actually shot those six of the miners or was it uh, the miners themselves who shot at each other while there was that altercation. All right, uh, thank you very much uh, to our reporter Pumzile Mlangeni at uh, 5 minutes to 1. This is Midday Live, SAFM 104 to 107. Just uh, some of your SMSs, 34701. In fact, it's a lot of them, but I'll try and read uh, just a few. Animals don't rape their babies. Why compare this barbarian to an animal? And uh, this one says, The Hefner Commission said Vusimona was a liar. I don't believe him, says uh, Dr. Patladira in Cape Town. Uh, Mr. Vusimona is uh, as arrogant as Jimmy Mani. He must be careful of or he will face the same fate, says A.B. Mshengo in Alberton. Stop calling these monsters animals. Animals do not do this. Get educated. That's Ingrid in Clough. And uh, the, reasons, uh, the reason African, let me see if I can get 
get uh, this one. Uh, the rape of a six-month baby is beyond comprehension. There should be a sentence for any rapist to have a frontal uh, lobotomy and uh, to be castrated. Uh, that's done in uh, Cape Town there. And uh, Pepeta, our politics has become a joke. Who has uh, thought Malema would be a leader of a new party like Lekota? Now the same may happen in Kosatu. Boring. That's stay in Natal. The provinces are paying ten, tens of billions in legal health claims currently. Uh, is this uh, Cuban doctor uh, not already responsible for this mess and bad care we have? It's unsigned, that one. And uh, it tolls, let them milk us until they milk them. Uh, okay. Remember, okay. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to leave this one. I can't make out what it says. But thank you very much, uh, nonetheless, of uh, the SMS is 34701. This is a Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I have uh, Velile Mbuli here in studio with me. Good afternoon, Velile. Uh, good afternoon, Mbuli, and also to the listeners. It's good to have you uh, here, and I see Danny Jadan really is uh, cracking the whip at Safa. He's trying to get it right. He's, he's, he's expected to make a super announcement today. Just talk us through uh, Danny Jadan and what is it that he's trying to do, and what can we expect uh, of that announcement today? Uh, well, we're already from uh, the announcement. Mm. It was uh, made this morning. Uh, they were announcing a partnership with uh, Ernst & Young, uh, announcing that they will be coming on board as a, a brand and financial management uh, company that will be looking after uh, those two affairs uh, of Safa. Oh, okay. So, so that that announcement was made. I was, yes. made, I was yes. also made to some somebody who is but in my ear that he's going <laughs> to be making some serious yes. structural uh, uh, announcements. All right, let's talk about because uh, uh, Puma had deserted uh, Bafana Bafana as a, as a kit uh, sponsor, and uh, a whole lot of other APSA. Uh, the contract is coming to an end; is not going to be renewed, uh, and, and and really Safa didn't have uh, didn't have a sponsor then. Yes, uh, especially when you look uh, for Bafana Bafana because they are now left with only Casilaga as the sponsor. Um, but I think uh, the announcement this morning of Ernst Young um, is a preparation of what is to come in the next few weeks or in the months uh, because uh, there are also reports today um, that uh, Adidas um, have concluded or are close to concluding uh, a deal with Safa that will mm. ensure um, that they are coming back as the sponsors of uh, the senior national team, and in fact as partners of SAFA as well. Uh, there's also mentioning of uh, Standard Bank as well uh, as a possible uh, successor to uh, ABSA when ABSA's uh, deal with SAFA comes to an end at the end of next month. So there are a lot of companies uh, that have been linked with SAFA, but um, you know, in the sporting world, especially when it comes to the financials, you can only confirm it when you <laughs> see it black and white, and <laughs> uh, it's being announced like uh, Ernst Young today. But I think, from uh, f- when you look at uh, Ernst Young, especially a reputable company, it is mm. uh, today they were mentioning how Ernst Young helped uh, to reshape and also uh, to make sure that uh, the global corporate business uh, has the trust it has on FIFA. Uh, so they helped to turn FIFA around when there were scandals, around, especially around mm. ISL as well. So they are hoping that in their goal to be a one billion rand company, uh, Ernst & Young will give assurance to those uh, would-be partners of SAFA that here we are, uh, the reputable global brand that we are, mm. we are in charge of uh, the brand and financial management of SAFA. Velila, thank you very much. You've run out of time. Very interesting times at Safa and, of course, a reputable company. So it talks to the reputation of uh, Safa, perhaps. Coming back, we're not too sure. Early days to tell. Denny Jordan at the helm of uh, Safa. It's uh, almost uh, 1 o'clock, and that's how we come to the end of our program. Thanks to the producers, Mandy Samkelus, Tagazelo Zamin, and Mabuvuloka. Mark Prela today is our technical producer. Namali Mandela is our senior producer, and executive producers are Busisiwe Chane and Aubrey Setia. My name is Bongi Kuala. Shall meet up with you tomorrow for your Friday edition of Midday Live here on SFM 104 to 107. Shadow Twala is up next with otherwise between 1 and 2. Not before the news at one, though, with uh, Utsile Saku. Till we meet then, bye-bye.